Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Today we are starting a brand new series called Too Good to Not Believe. And we are basing it off of that worship song that we sing today because, because of who God is, because of all that he has already done. We just believe deep down in our hearts that he is too good to not believe. How many know this isn't just a, a song that we, we sing? No, it's something that we, I don't know about you, I've seen too much. I mean, I was just last week, I was in Columbus, Ohio, praying with uh, an individual who they thought might not make it, might not survive, tubes down his throat, and we prayed, and we believed, and we cried out to heaven, and now he's expected to make a full recovery. The tubes are out. He's walking around. Come on, I've seen too much. I've seen too much. I've encountered it firsthand and I've been impacted in a powerful way that I don't know about you. I just know beyond the shadow of a, of a doubt that he is too good to not believe. And this is important because if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of believing the other tagline too good to be true. How many of us know the, the enemy of our soul would love nothing more than to get us to believe the lie that God and the things of God are too good to be true? And how many of us know, man, God's, God, I'm just here to remind us today. I just want to start this thing by reminding us that, that our God is not too good to be true. He's too good to not believe. And how many of us know God, God's not like some of the slogans we've heard. He's not like some of the ads that we have maybe seen. For, for example, maybe you've, you've went to that restaurant that in big, bold letters says, kids eat free only to get in there. And in the fine print, it says with purchase of $200 worth of adult meals. And you're like, ah, too good to be true. Or you get that coupon in the mail for 70% off, and you're like, whoo, let's go. And then you get to the store only to realize it's only 70% off the stuff nobody wants to buy. And you're like, ah, there's this little section in the corner of the store, right? You're like, ah, too good to be true. I remember several years ago, I got a phone call letting me know that I was a finalist in this contest to win a brand new truck. Well, first off, I didn't even know I was in this thing. And all of a sudden, I'm a finalist, right? Who knew? But I'm not surprised. I'm a winner. That's what I do. And so I'm going to win a brand new truck. And they went on to tell me that they're going to send me a key in the mail. And then I needed to go down uh, and take my key down to, to see them. And, and they wanted to share with me some amazing deals that they had available just for me, and then I could try my key and see if I won the brand new truck. And I want you to know there's about 500 red flags with this scenario, and I ran past every single one of them because I was like, I'm going to win this brand new truck. I'm going to win it. This is God. God did this to me. Thank you, Lord. I'm praising you ahead of time. And I remember uh, talking my wife, Justina, into going down with me. I go, babe, we'll go on a date day. 
kids are in school. We'll just shoot down here. Maybe take an hour. We'll pick up my new truck. I'll take you out on a date in my new truck. We can just spend the day together. And so we go down. Remember this, babe? We go down and we walk in. They're all friendly. And oh, so good to see you. Come on in. You need anything? Massage, water, anything? I'm like, no, we're good. We're just here to get my new truck. And, and they're like, sit over here. And, and uh, all of a sudden, the sales pitches start flying and they start telling us about all the all the junk they want us to buy. And so six hours later, guys, six hours later, half of you are like, man, I would have left, but I was there to get my truck. You know, I couldn't leave. They still have my truck. And so we just sat through six hours worth. And after saying no over and over and over again to the junk, all of a sudden they went from being nice, hospitable, friendly to angry, rude, and they're like, go try your dumb key. I'm telling you, the whole thing shifted in the last like five minutes that we were there. And they were mean. They said, go try your key. And so I went over there. I'm like, finally, while I'm here, I went to go try my key. And to my surprise, not yours, but mine, it didn't work. I remember getting in our car and thinking to myself, I should have known. I should have known that was too good to be True. And we've all heard the slogans, haven't we? We've all seen the ads. We've all listened to the, the salesmen who make promises that we just know are too good to be true. But I'm here to remind us today and over the next few weeks throughout this series as we dive into the truth of God's word that we don't serve a God who is too good to be true. We serve a God who is too good to not believe. There's no fine print. There's no catch. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he said it, how many know we can count on it? And if he did it for somebody else, we know he's no respecter of persons, that we can come boldly to the throne room of grace, asking and believing, knowing that he'll do the same thing for each and every one of us. He's just too good to not believe. And I want to start things off today by taking a look at a passage of scripture to kind of set the tone for what God wants to do in us over the next few weeks. It's Psalms 77 verses 13 through 14. And the psalmist says this, he says, what God, he poses this question, what God is as great as our God? And the answer is, there is no one like our God. There is no one beside you. There is no one like you. You are the, are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. We just believe that God is a miracle-working God. In fact, we're going to study a miracle in the Bible today that's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, and it involves this, this man of God, this prophet named Elisha, and this, this widow who found herself in a difficult place in her life. She's just lost her, her husband, and she's on the verge of losing her two sons to, to slavery because she can't pay her bills. In other words, she's in need of a miracle. And I was just thinking to myself that sometimes when we find ourselves in, in, in a desperate place, when we find ourselves in need of God to move, in need of a miracle, it can be really easy to feel like we're all alone. Like we're the only ones going through what we're going through. We're the only ones struggling with what we're struggling with. We're the only ones with problems. Everybody else's life seems easy compared to ours. And just nobody understands. Nobody knows. I'm just kind of all alone. Anybody ever felt like that before? I can't help but think that this widow 
found herself in that same place of just feeling alone, not knowing what to do. But I want to remind us today that every single one of us have problems. Every single one of us have issues. In fact, we always say around here, if you don't think you have issues, man, that is your issue because we all got issues. We all have problems. We all find ourselves in situations that we're not sure what to do. We're all in desperate need for God to move. How many know the Bible tells us apart from him, we can do nothing? We all have lack. We all find ourselves in that place, but as we, as we study this, this story today, we're going to discover that, that God showed up and met this widow in her time of lack, in some of the, the darkest, most difficult moments of her life. God did what only he can do. And as we study this story, I pray that we would be reminded that our God is, is too good to not believe. So let's read the story in its entirety, and then we'll kind of break it down today. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, seven verses, the first seven verses. So we'll start in verse 1. It says, One day the, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has, has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. The prophet Elisha responded, what can I do to help you? Tell me what, what do you have in the house? This widow responds, nothing, nothing at all, except a a, a flask, this, this little jug with just a little bit of olive oil in it. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and from your neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. And so she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. And he said, there aren't any more. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay off your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Question that we are asking ourselves today is, what do we do when we need a miracle? Like, what do we do when we find ourselves in a situation where where we don't have all the answers? And we find ourselves in a situation where we're not sure what we're going to do. Because here this, this widow is on the verge of, her situation's on the verge of going from bad to worse. She's just lost her husband. And the pain and the sorrow and the, and the grief of that loss is probably tremendous. I can only imagine. But now on top of that, she's on the verge of losing her two sons. She's in need for God to do a miracle. And so let's walk through this, this story together. Let's see what we can, we can learn and what we can apply to our own lives. Let's go back to, to verse 1 in 2 Kings chapter 4. It said, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha, and what did she do? She cried out. Notice in her time of need, this widow cried out. How many of us know there's power in prayer? And we have to come to a point that that prayer is not our, our last, uh, we're not our last resort, it's our first response. 
that we would believe, man, there's power in prayer. The first thing this woman does in her time of need is she cried out. She humbled herself and she asked God for help. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, when we find ourselves in in a difficult situation, when we find ourselves uh, with our backs up against the wall, sometimes the first thing we do, if you're anything like me, is we worry, we get stressed out. This is one, here's one I do a lot. I start thinking worst case scenario. I start thinking about all the, the, the ways this thing is going to go wrong, all the ways this isn't going to work, all the ways this is going to be the worst thing ever. But here we see this example of this widow. The first thing that she does is she cried out. She humbled herself and she cried out to God and she asked him for help. And, and the truth is, and if you think about it, this wasn't even that great of a request. It was... My whole world's falling apart. Nothing's going right. Help. It, w- it wasn't even this beautiful prayer. It wasn't even this, this, she didn't articulate everything just exactly right. And thou art father who art in the heavens. Great is your name. No, she came in. Everything's falling apart. Nothing's working. I don't know what to do. Help God. Where are you in my time of need? And that can seem kind of raw, but how many of us know at least it's real? At least she's, here's where I'm at. Here's what's, I don't know what to do. I just lost my husband. I'm about to lose my sons. I I don't have the answers. I don't have a figure. Help me, God. I need, in fact, this is actually a beautiful prayer. This is, this is how God wants us to approach. Can I encourage us today that we would approach God with this same kind of heart? Here I am, God. Here's what's really going on. Here's my questions. Here's my doubts. Here's my struggles. Here's my worry. Here's my fear. Here's my situation. Help. I need you, God. This is a, pow- this is a, a powerful example because when it comes to prayer, I want us to know that prayer reminds us that we're not in control. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control and it keeps us close to the one who is. I mean, there's power in prayer that when I come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I'm reminding myself I don't have control. I don't call it, God, you are above it all. You're in control and I need you and I need to stay close to you. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is. The first thing the widow did was cry out. Let's continue reading on in this story. Verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 4. The prophet Elisha said, what can I do to help you? In other words, the widow had Elisha's attention. Why? Well, remember, because her late husband was a faithful servant, he feared God, and he honored God with his life. We cannot miss that the faithfulness of the late husband initiated this conversation, which reminds us that some of the miracles that happen in our lives aren't because of us, but the people around us. Have you ever had someone pray for you and ask God to move in your life? In fact, that's, that's my testimony. I feel like my grandparents 
Papa and Nana, who are no longer with us, I believe they prayed me into the kingdom. They kept believing, they kept praying, even in all my struggles, even in all of my sin, they just kept on praying, they kept on believing, they kept on asking God to do a miracle in my life, and God changed me from the inside out, not because I deserved it, not because I was doing anything to earn it, not even because I asked for it, but because somebody else did. We can't miss that in this story. The whole, whole reason this conversation is happening is because of the faithfulness of her late husband. The prophet goes on to say, tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing. I got nothing in all. All I have is a, is a flask, which is this small little jug with just a little bit of olive oil in it. What do you have in the house? The, the prophet asked. Because God will always ask us to give what we have, to get what we cannot without him. What do we have today? What has God placed in our hands? What has God put inside of us that maybe we have counted as insignificant? I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. I've never done that before. But notice the question isn't what are you missing? The question is what do you have? What has God placed in our hands? Because what might seem as insignificant might just be the very thing that God wants to use to do a miracle. I'm pretty sure Moses just had this ordinary staff, but in the hands of God, anointed by God, God used it to part the Red Sea and allow millions of Israelites to cross over on dry ground and be delivered from slavery. I'm pretty sure the little boy just had a little sack lunch with five loaves and two fish, which would seem insignificant, which would seem like it wasn't enough. But in the hands of God, God blessed it and used it to feed 5,000 people. And here this widow, all she has is a little jar of oil, but God, but God, but God. I think we should stop looking at what we don't have and remind ourselves that what we do have in the hands of God is more than enough. We go on in verse 3 of 2 Kings chapter 4. and The prophet Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and from your neighbors. Borrow. In other words, they weren't her jars the jars weren't hers, so she couldn't take credit for what God was about to do. It's important for us to remember we're just borrowing the gifts that God has given to us. We're just stewarding the resources that he's placed in our hand. That's why these jars are so important. They're borrowed, reminding us all that the, the glory goes to God and not to us. All the glory, all the honor, and all the praise goes to him because the reality is our default is when we start to become successful when we start to overcome when we start to to win we start to get puffed up don't we we start to rely on self I mean I was going to give God all the glory for that truck that day but I'm just saying <laughs> right story goes on no 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 it's bar they were borrowed jars to remind her. She couldn't take credit for what, what was about to happen. Verse 4 of 2 Kings chapter 4. The prophet says, Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. 
Pause there. Go into your house and shut the door. Because I believe the miracles that God wants to do, God wants it to happen in us before it happens through us. Go in and shut the door because God wants to do something in you in private before he does something through you in public. How many know it has to happen in that secret place? It happened just me and you, God, that you've imparted something to me. You've marked me. You've wrecked me. You've done something in me. And now you want to do something through me. They were the first ones to see the miracle. The miracle, how many know, wasn't for everybody else. It was for them to experience, but then to go tell others what God did. The miracles of God should never stop with us. They're for us, but they should never stop with us. And as God moves in our lives, man, they're for us, but then I gotta go tell the world about a God who saves, about a God who heals, about, about a God who delivers, about a God who sets free. Let me testify of the goodness of God. He goes on to say, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. But notice in this part of the story, the widow was, was asked to give what she had. Take your flask and pour it into your borrowed jars. This would have been the last thing of value that she had. This is, the, this is the, the tipping point. This is where the rubber meets the road. At that moment, would she trust God with everything that she had? The last little bit of olive oil. Would, would she step out? Would she pour the olive oil into the jars? Would she trust God with everything that she had? Now, I know she didn't have a lot, but that didn't mean it still wasn't a sacrifice. Like we might look at her and say, well, you know, she didn't, she didn't seem like she had a lot. And, but to her, it was all that she had. Would she have the faith to trust God with all that she had? Which brings us, if you take a note, so I want you to write this, this thought down. And that is this, our level of sacrifice will develop our faith. Our level of sacrifice will develop our faith. I think it's powerful because if you look at this widow, if you're anything like me, I just think to myself, well, she didn't have a lot. It's so much easier to give all that you have to God when you don't have a lot. Anybody? But the truth is we might look around at other people and think others don't have a lot. What if I told you today, none of us have a lot. None of us have a lot. All of us just have a little oil in a little flask. You see, you even think about the rich young ruler where he went to Jesus in the New Testament. He said, teacher, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you, well, you need to do this. And you need to follow this commandment. And he's like, man, I've, I've, done, I've done all that since I was a little boy. Killing it, slaying it, Jesus. What's up? And Jesus says, goes, awesome. Go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. If you read that passage of scripture, you discover that the, the man walked away sad because he had much. He had so much. The truth is, it wasn't that he had so much. The truth is, is he had his belief and his hope and his possessions rather than his God. How many of us know our perspective shapes our reality? Doesn't it? 
Like we can think we have a lot until all of a sudden we have a medical condition and we can't buy our way out of it. We can't fix it. All of a sudden we run into a situation where we can't get ourselves out of it. And then you know what we're reminded? How little we actually have. Who's in real control? Right? So even though this, this widow might look like she didn't have enough, a lot, neither did any of us. But she had to take this step of faith. Her last little bit of resource her last little bit of control, her last little bit of, I think I can make it on, on my own. I think I can pull this one out. I think I can continue to rely upon my own strength. She had to release all control to God when she poured out the last little bit of oil into those jars. But notice, God didn't ask her to give all that she had without giving her first a promise. Set each one aside when it's filled. He already give all that you have to me, but I'm about to fill up all of those jars. He didn't ask her to give everything without giving her a promise. If you trust me with what you have, I'll fill you with what you don't have. As followers of Jesus who are called to walk by faith and not by sight, that we would focus more on what God said rather than what we see. I think this, I thought this was more powerful than you guys think today. The widow sacrificed it all, but I can't help but think she was focused on the jars being filled, not the flask being empty. Right? If we focus on all the things we're going to have to sacrifice, all the things that we're going to give up, all the things that we're going to lose, how many know we won't sacrifice anything? Because it's all about what we're going to give up. But if we focus on what God said and the promises he's bestowed before us and what God is going to do and how those jars are going to be full, how many know we'll give it all? Will I, will I hold on to my little bit of oil or will I pour it out and have all of these jars full? Right? Well, the answer, that's a no-brainer until you're in that situation and you're called to give everything that you have then our faith is tested. Goes on in verse five, second Kings chapter four. And so what's her response? I love this line. So she did as she was told. I love that. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another, after another, after another. But that line, she did as she was told. In other words, it wasn't her idea. It wasn't her plan. It wasn't the way that she might have done things. It, it, she didn't always understand. It didn't always make sense. Maybe she didn't even agree, but she did as she was told. This is an incredible example when it comes to faith, because if you're taking notes, our level of obedience demonstrates our faith. Our level of obedience demonstrates our faith. The widow's obedience demonstrated the faith that she had. I want us to understand that faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith isn't the absence of unbelief. Faith is choosing to obey God in spite of those things. Right? Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I love that because it's not like we don't have our own understanding. Our own will, our own thoughts, our own plans. 
Yes, you do. Yes, you do have doubt. Yes, you do have unbelief. Yes, you do have your own plan, your own will, your own way of doing things. But trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own own understanding. Just do as God has called us to do. And all our ways acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. Wow, it's, it's what I call it simple obedience. Not that it's not hard, not that it's not difficult, but it's not complicated. Just, let me just do as I'm told, as I'm focused on the jars being filled, not the flask being emptied. I'm focused on your promises, God. I'm holding closely to your word. That's what I'm, you said it, God. You called me. I don't have what it takes. I don't have all these, but you said it, God. You called, and if you chose me, and if you called me, and if you did this, and I'm, I'm holding on to your promises. Your promises are yes and amen. This, this is when God really began to change my life. When, when I came to the point to realize my way just wasn't working. And I tried, like every angle I had, different concoctions of my way and my plan and my will. And after all 3,427 of them did not work, I thought, you know what? Let me try God. Let me, maybe he knows better than me. And I discovered that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And as I came to this, this point, just trust and obey. Pretty sure there's a hymn about that, right? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey, trust and obey. And I had this thought, I mean, when we walk in obedience to God, we won't be surprised by the miracles of God. Because I'm just obeying you, God. I'm honoring you. So, so I'm not surprised when you do a miracle, but I am in awe of what you're doing. I'm surprised, but I'm still in awe. I'm surprised, but I'm still amazed. I'm surprised when, when, when we started to get the reports of, of this young man and, and the tubes coming out of his mouth and him making a full recovery. I wasn't surprised, but I was amazed. I wasn't surprised because that's the kind of God we serve, but I still stood in awe of him. Wow, God. Why? Because I, I, honestly, I think because there's still some level of doubt that I can have. Come on. There still can be a level of unbelief. So even though I'm praying, even though I'm asking, seeing God, I'm not surprised, but man, I am in awe. Wow, you did it, God. You really, I'm in, I'm in awe of who you are. The next part of the story, you get anything out of this message today? It's been like a month since I preached. Verse six, 2 Kings chapter four, verse six. says, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another. I can only imagine this. Give me another one. Come on, keep them coming, boys. She said to her sons, and her sons are like, there aren't any more. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. This is one of the many things I love about our God, because he doesn't just give us what we need. He gives us more than we need. The jars were filled to the brim. How many know it wasn't that, like that uh, package of potato chips where you open it, it's only actually 25% full? I know it's all the way to the brim. This is what I do when I go to Chick-fil-A and I order uh, an Oreo shake. Come on, somebody, now I'm preaching. Now you're with me. They go, sir, do you want any whipped cream or cherry? No, 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 I don't want any whipped cream or a cherry. I want you to fill that thing to the top with ice cream. Oh, don't, don't jip me out of ice cream. You can have my cherry and my whipped cream. Fill it to the brim. I know God fills us with more than enough. 
He gives us more than we can think, ask, or even imagine. He gives us more than we even need. The jars were full to the, the brim. But something I think is important for us to, to realize as we study this story together, and in any story, there's the main character, and then there's supporting roles or minor characters, right? But how many of us know that when it comes to the miracles of God, the main character is always God himself, God is always the main character in the miracles that he does. The rest of us are just jars. But did you, did you realize, did you recognize that, that the miracle doesn't happen without the sweat of the sons? In, in other words, it took everybody. Everybody played a part in this miracle. It wasn't just Elisha. It wasn't just the widow. It was, every, it was the sons. It was the widow. It was the man of God. It took everybody to get involved for this miracle to happen. The miracle doesn't happen without the sword of the sons. This is why we celebrate our dream team around here and we honor our volunteers because it takes everybody for God to move in this place. We're all a part of what God is doing from the parking team to the greeting team to our children's workers to our youth leaders to the production team, the worship team. It takes every single one of us locking arms for for the reason the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. It takes all of us. I think it's important for us to recognize that in this story, that this miracle doesn't happen without the sweat of the sons. Without the sweat of the sons, there's nowhere to put the oil. And the jars were filled to the brim. How I many know the oil represents the presence of God? I mean, all throughout the Bible, oil represents the presence of God, the spirit of God. How many of us know without the oil, we're all just empty jars? Without the oil, we all have unlimited potential, but no purpose. Because the Spirit of God is the only thing that allows us to step into and walk into God's plans and purposes for our lives. And I think the mistake that we make is that we settle for potential and God wants to fill us with purpose. But I also want to point out that the the jars ran out. The oil stopped flowing. Here's the question as we study the story together. Do we think that God ever runs out of oil? Do we think that God ever runs out of his provision? Does he ever run out of his power? He he doesn't. He stops pouring out his power. He stops pouring out his provision. He stops pouring out his presence when we run out of jars. When we run out of a people to serve, when we run out of projects, when we lose sight of the, the vision and the mission that God has given to us to go out into the world and reach people with the love of Jesus, to testify about his goodness and to bring others into this relationship with a name that's above every single name that changes us from the inside out. That we would continue to believe, we would continue to serve, we would continue to live on mission and fulfill the great commission. As a church, as a, as a people, that we can never come to a place where we're like, man, I'm, done. I'm good. I went to church today. I mean, no, that's not, that's not being a Christian. <laughs> just punching my time, stamping. I just went to church today. That's not what God's called. I mean, God never called us to go to church. He called us to be the church. That we be his ambassadors in the world. We're just here in fellowship today. Hopefully you're getting encouraged. Hopefully your faith is being stirred. When we leave these buildings, now the mission begins. Now the vision begins. Go out and be the church, right? We testify, we share, we pray, 
We invite others. We lead others to Christ. We are the church. And as we live like that, how many, he'll keep pouring the oil. He'll keep pouring out his presence. Why? Because we keep going with more jars. I got another jar. I got another jar that needs filled up. Got another family that needs you. Got another person who's addicted. Got another lost soul. I got another jar, God, fill it up. Got another jar, God, fill it up. And he keeps pouring out his presence, his provision, his power. And we see God do miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? Because he's too good to not believe. This is the God we serve. What do we have? What do we have? What has God placed in our hand today? Because our level of sacrifice develops our faith. Our level of obedience demonstrates our faith. Will we take what we have, as little and as insignificant as it might seem, and will we put it in God's hand and let him do what only he can? As we close today, the final verse in this story, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 7, says, When she told the man of God what had happened... He said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live. Everybody say live. Live. You can live on what's left over. What's interesting about that, that word live is it literally means to be renewed, restored, redeemed, and revived. To be brought back to life. In other words, God saved you. God redeemed you. God restored you. Now go live with what he's given to you and never forget where it came from. Go live. Go tell others about the God who still does miracles. Never forget where you came from. Never forget when he revived you, when he saved you, when he redeemed you, when he restored you. Go live. God made you alive again. I mean, this is a beautiful picture of salvation. When we were dead and he brought us back to life. I love how the prophet prophetically speaks this over the widow and her two sons. Go live, go live, go live and never forget where you came from. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you in this place, God. Wow, the power of your word power of your presence how you make all things new again God how you redeem us, how you restore us God you still do miracles you're too good you're too good to not believe we just come before you we bow our heads in reverence we close our eyes to focus on you just come before you today wherever you're at can you just pray this in your spirit Holy Spirit how do you want me to respond to the message today what's my next step I don't want to just be a hearer of your word I want to be a doer I want to apply your, your word to my heart and my life Father we just come before you today Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for breathing life into us. Thank you for your oil and your presence in this place. As we're praying together with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you just came in and you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you just feel like you're in a dry place. Praying's been hard. 
believing's been hard. You're just in a difficult place, a desperate place. And you need God to, to breathe some life back into you. So pour some oil into your jar today. The Holy Spirit to bring times of refreshing to your soul. If that's you, would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God, I need you to fill me up today. I need you to move in my heart. Father, you see the hands in this place. You know where we're at. God, I pray that you would bring times of refreshing to our souls. That you would fill us with your spirit, God. That you would renew us, renew our passion. Renew our faith today, God. We come to a point where we just know you're too good. You're too good to not believe. I speak a blessing over every hand that's raised in this place or watching online. As we continue praying together today, maybe you would say that you don't have a relationship with God. You know about him, but you don't know him. True refreshing, true, true renewing and redemption happens when we come before the Lord and we say, here's my life. Here's my heart, what you've always wanted. The Bible tells us that we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus, your Lord, here's my life. The same representation as this widow who poured out the last bit of oil that she had. I give it all to you, God. So at that moment, God says, man, I'll save you, I'll forgive you, and I'll fill you with my spirit. I'll lead and guide you. I'll give you a life you never thought possible. And if you need to make that decision today, wherever you're at, would you just lift your hand to heaven? Here I am as a sign of surrender, as a sign of response to his love. Just pray this with me right where you are and say, God, thank you for your love and how it never fails. Today, here's, here's my heart. I give you my life, all that I am. God, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Here's my life. God, forgive me. Restore me, redeem me, renew me, fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not... That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk not get weary they shall run and not faint that's what happens when you wait that's what happens when you wait oh they that wait they that wait on the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk and not get weary they shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait. 
for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.